Welcome back, everybody. This is Encounter with God, and we are getting into our Bible study. Time for the fourth clue. So let me get this right. Jesus will search Jerusalem with this. There are seven of these in the uh, holy place of the temple. And what was the third, the other clue that I can't remember right now? Uh, the new Jerusalem will not need the Son of the Moon because Jesus will be its blank. I'm going to switch. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I know that verse off by heart. How can it? Anyway, all right. I'm going to switch around the last two clues again because I also think that the uh, second last clue is the easiest clue. Okay, so clue number what is it? Year four for what am I? Jesus said that no one lights this and hides it in a jar or under a bed. I wrote that down, and you said it was wrong. Yeah, because you were wrong. He's so flabbergasted. I love it. I wrote the answer to that. No, you didn't. Give me a call quick. 1-800-FAITH-FM-324-843. Uh, it's 1-800-324-843. Give us a call and uh, I will send you two prizes if you can get it right. There you go. No, no, Lila's still wrong. He's writing down other kinds of things. He's still wrong. He's still wrong. Uh, give me a call. You can't have two quick... Okay, now you're right. Now you're right. <laughs> Took you like how many guesses? <laughs> yeah, you're throwing your pen around now. Look at how angry you are. <laughs> what kind of a translation is that coming from, huh? That's what I want to know. That's a dodgy translation. I'm going to look this up in the Bible and find out what a real translation has to say on this particular subject. But, uh, yeah, while we're going there, while, while I'm going there, Mon, why don't you go to, mm-hmm. um, let me see, our subject for today, which is conflict. Do you ever find yourself in conflict, Mon? Yeah, usually with myself. Oh, really? Yeah. You have some uh, heated arguments? Yeah. And uh, what does yourself say to yourself in these arguments? To just grow up and brush my teeth. (laughs) Self? (laughs) Grow up and brush your teeth. Like literally, this is the most immature thing about me. Every night before I go to bed, I have an argument with myself about just go and brush your teeth. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. I'm I'm, I'm confused all of a sudden. You are the most teeth-brushing person I know. No, I've overbrushed them, actually. Oh, and they're starting to uh, fall off? No, the the outer enamel is beginning to wear off. My teeth actually have a bit of a yellowness to them because the enamel underneath is actually naturally yellow, so my teeth almost always look dirty, Um, but they're clean. They're very, very, very clean. But in the evenings, I'm like, no, I didn't eat so much sugar today and... No one's, you know, sniffing my breath. I'll wash it. I'll brush them when I get up in the morning, and then I have this like eternal argument conflict with myself. And then it usually ends with me just sternly telling myself to grow up and just brush my stupid teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe if your teeth are starting to wear away from being overbrushed, then maybe you should be yep. telling yourself, yeah. "No, save your teeth. You need yeah. them for old age." <laughs> yeah. See, maybe this should become a part of your argument. You maybe your other yeah. part of yourself needs to take up this argument a little you're, bit you're more. You're helping strongly. the bad side, Lyle. <laughs> hindering the good side. The other conflict I have is in the morning about getting up and going to the gym. That's the other conflict. Yeah, I can understand yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely understand that But conflict that one. with other people, not too often. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 3 to 5. We're going to talk about conflict with other people and some important principles that can help us avoid conflict with other people. Uh, what, is, what are the secrets we find here? Matthew chapter 7 verse 3 to 5 says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. 
Okay. And uh, just to prove a point, I would like you to read to yourself and not out loud on radio this particular verse right here and note that I answered the correct answer on clue number two. What verse am I reading? Five. Yeah, whatever. Yes. It's just your dodgy translation. Yeah, by the way, the, the, the clue, the first clue was Zephaniah 1 verse 12. Are you turned? No, that's the book of Revelation you're in. Do you ah, that's because book? I was talking about the second clue, not the first one. Yeah, well, you should have taken uh, in consideration the first clue, shouldn't you? You didn't really do your homework. See, not I'm not allowed to. Yeah, this. but you, you don't, don't let me look stuff this. up. You mean like that. You can look stuff up whatever you want. I've never stopped you from looking stuff up. Mm, okay, well, look at all of, yeah, I'll look pr- them all up tomorrow. Creating your own you perimeters. P.S. everyone, excellent example of conflict right here, right now. As you will note, Lyle is in the wrong which is usually happens i'm in the right but you know we all know that <laughs> conflict 101 ah the audience knows the answer is I that am, you I attempting am, to I remove am, a speck from my eye now justified Look in at the you, eyes of guys. the audience <laughs> <laughs> i am justified in the eyes of the audience whatever log man okay so let's talk about this log and speck issue right yes, here yes yes um, that we seem to be fighting over. <laughs> Maybe we've got the same log and it's poking from my eye to your <laughs> eye. Balanced between us. Sharing a log. Oh, dear. Mon, take us through this, uh, take us through this passage. Tell us what it's all about. It's really great. I, I love this story because it's, it's a really simple reminder to yourself to stop being an idiot, to stop being a hypocrite. Basically, when you're nitpicking and pointing out faults in other people, small faults, you know, little faults, when really you have massive issues on, in your own character, in your Why own Why do life. we do that? Yeah, yeah. It's like as soon as you start to point out someone else's fault, just stop and think to yourself, am I perfect? Because if you ain't, just point that finger right back at you. My mum used to say when you point the finger at someone else, you've actually got three other fingers pointing back at you because you point one finger towards them and the other three point back towards you. Where does your thumb go? Well, your thumb doesn't count because it's not a finger. It's a thumb. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You can't point with a thumb. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, I'll, I'll take that. You can't be like, look at that person over there with your thumb. <laughs> How silly does that look? Everyone try point at something with your thumb. You will look like an idiot. Back over there. See, I just did it. <laughs> Worked perfectly. Anyway, uh, it, no, but it is a very good illustration that your mum has pointed out. Uh, that, and, and, and there's a reason for this. We typically like to find fault in others because it makes us feel better about our yeah. faults. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we can look at ourselves, we often look at ourselves and we feel bad about how we are. We want to feel better about how we are so then we compare ourselves with somebody else who is worse than us in our eyes and therefore we end up feeling better than better about ourselves. Yeah, it's actually really great, dangerous. Great, great, great story in the Bible about the Pharisee and the tax collector going into the temple to pray. Oh, yes. Let me take you through this story very quickly. Jesus uh, saw this take place and used it as an illustration that really shocked his disciples because the Pharisee goes in there and the tax collector, they both go into the temple to pray um, and we don't know, but they're possibly even praying side by side. But the Pharisee stands up and he says, I thank you, God, that I am not like this tax collector. I pay tithes of everything. I give to the poor. I do this. I do that. I do the other. And he waxes eloquent about how good he is and all of the good things he does. He makes a long list of those good things. Praise it out loud. The tax collector walks in, and here's a person who is subject to temptation on a daily basis. He is an outcast of his own nation, and he simply um, quietly kneels down. The Bible says, you know, clasps his hands to his chest 
and he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm. He doesn't look at the Pharisee and go, I thank you, God, that I am not like this hypocrite who talks about how good he is, but who how incredibly corrupt. He, but you know, I know how incredibly corrupt he is behind the scenes, ripping off the taps, tax system, and you know, making a long. You know, both of them could have easily gone in there and pointed the finger at each other. And this is one of the things that I think is important when we start pointing the finger. We need to remember when we point the finger at somebody else, we can have that same finger pointed just as much at us and just as justifiably so. Both of those men were sinners. Both of those men were in desperate need of the grace of God. Only one of those men found the grace of God, but they both needed the grace of God. And both of them could have pointed the finger of accusation at each other. One of them only seemed to realize his need, really, his own That's need. That's right. One of them seemed to be pointing out somebody yes. else's need, not his own need. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is really important. This is one of the reasons why, you know, in Revelation chapter 3, uh, maybe we'll flick over there very quickly, Revelation chapter 3, and you can read for us, Mon, uh, one of the things that God counsels us that we actually need. So if you can read for us uh, chapter 3, verse 18. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 18. says, once I can find it, here we go. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. Okay, so when we read this passage here, we find that one of the things that God counsels us to buy is ointment for our eyes so that we can see. And we ask ourselves the question, well, we can see perfectly. I can look at the window right now. I can see the sun shining. It's not that kind of sight. It is spiritual sight God is talking about. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so if we go back to the, uh, the the little passage where Jesus talks about the the, uh, the moat and the speck or the log and the speck, the person who is doing the criticizing here, why is it that uh, that they can't see their problem? Because they have a massive log in their eye. That's right. Yeah, kind That's of a very light. good illustration when you think about it. Mm-hmm. All they can see in the other person's eye is a speck. Yeah. And the reason that all they can see in the other person's eye is a speck is because they've got to look around this massive log that is in their eye. And so this is one of the things that I think as Christians we need to be very aware of because sometimes we love to focus on minutia. That's true. Have you ever come across Christians like that? Yeah, split aren't you, th- aren't you glad that you are not like that? Lyle. <laughs> 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 Getting all loggy again. <laughs> no, but it, it, it illustrates just how we are as human yes, beings because yep. in an instant we fall into it, don't we? Mm-hmm, that's true, yeah. Uh, but even still, I am still going to, to pick on those people who, uh, who focus on minutia and they look at every last little detail and they're looking for a thus saith the Lord on every last little detail rather than using the brain that God has given them you know they want to they want to know a uh, they want to have a thus saith the Lord they want to have a statement they want to have a a definition for everything every speck that there is and 
really what it comes down to is spiritual laziness. I was going to say that as well as do you think they're just looking for a way to earn their salvation? So they just want more rules to follow so they can feel like they've earned it? I think that's very much a part of of humanity and how Mm -hmm. human beings work. Uh, At the same time, I think there's another whole aspect there where human beings don't like to have to think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And so there's a sector of society that's like, if I don't work hard enough, I don't deserve salvation, so I'm going to work really hard so that I deserve it. There's another sector of society that says, you know, I don't want to have to think. Just tell me, just give me a formula. Mm. You know, just let me color by numbers my way into salvation. Yeah, eject my brain. Eject my brain and be a robot. Mm. And so, you know, give me a definition for how many inches off the floor my skirt needs to be or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. And I've actually had one of these um, ask how often uh, they should be having uh, marital relationships with their spouse per month. And they wanted to have a, a number. They wanted biblical- a definite number. They could just, you know, stick to the number and that'd be that. I'm just... Uh, yeah, it's not how God designed human beings to be at all. It's not how a relationship works, and it's not how our relationship with God should work. Yeah, yeah. You know, God gave us a brain. It's the most beautiful thing. It's the most amazing organ in the body. Uh, he gave it to us so that we can use it, so that we can use it to His glory and honor, and so that we can uh, we can we can use our brain to actually sit down and go. You know what? How am I going to bring honor to God today? Amen. And, and and you know what is the, what is this going to do for you know for God's glory today? How is this going to be a blessing to somebody else today? And rather than focusing on the minutia, focus on the big issues. You know there are some things that God is very specific about. I'm not saying that God is not specific about things. Do not get me wrong here, mm. in any way, shape, or form. God is specific about many things, and there are many things where God just lays out principles and says, "This is the principle. Live by this principle." And apply this principle to your life in your context in the environment in which you live. It's true. It's absolutely true. And if you if you are in this sort of nitpicky, hair splitting kind of a, a, a thing, maybe just focus on having an actual relationship with Christ. And yeah. Yeah, focus on the relationship with him as opposed to all the rules around it. Yes, imagine if you married somebody and you came to your spouse and said I just need a list of rules. No. Just give me a list of rules. Just write it up for me and post it on the fridge door so that I will just, you know, follow that formula each day. What kind of a relationship is that? It's not a relationship, dude. That's like There's not. That might be like an employee and, and, and uh, employer relationship, but it's not really relationship. There's no intimacy no. in that relationship. No. There's no friendship in that relationship. There is no closeness in that relationship. It's just a employer-employee relationship. That is not a marriage relationship. And God likens his relationship to us as being like uh, the church. You know, the, the, sorry, the, the, the woman and the, the woman is the church. And being married to us. And so, you know, a love relationship is based on principles. These are the things that make me happy. These are the things that make you happy. And this is how we operate together. And this is how we communicate with each other. And this is how we use our brains to make each other happy. So these are the the specs. But what about the logs? Yes. Okay, good question, Mon. What about the logs? Mm. Tell me about the logs. No, you tell me about it. I'll ask you first. I, I think the biggest log is the, 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 the log that is in our eyes that uh, we need that eye ointment for spoken of in Revelation chapter 3 to clean our eyes out so that we can actually see our own spiritual condition. The biggest log we have in our eyes is the one that blocks us from seeing ourselves. Wow. Okay. 
That's interesting. So I would have thought the biggest log would be the one that blocks us from seeing Jesus. But I guess if we have no sense of our spiritual condition, we don't know the need that we have for Jesus. Maybe you're right. Oh, maybe we're both right. Maybe we are. <clears throat> I think that uh, both of those logs are big, 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 big logs right there. You know, and of course, there are also, and, and, and you'll find this, um, and, and once again, I'm going to fall into this trap of, I'm thankful I'm not like this person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard to talk about some of these things without having yeah, that aspect, yeah, but yeah, sure. we shouldn't be afraid of talking about what's right and what's wrong just mm-hmm. because of that. I was just about to ask you, like, is there, a, is there a line where instead of like picking out specks in other people's eyes, which you shouldn't do, like what happens if it's like something really serious and you're like, do you know what, that's something wrong that they're doing? Oh. Am I not supposed to say it because... No, the Bible is very, very clear that we are supposed to say something when something is done wrong. Okay. Uh, we are definitely supposed to pass judgment in relationship to what is wrong or right in actions here on this earth. Um, we are never to pass judgment in relationship to salvation. And, you know, this is one of the confusions that a lot of people get involved with in Christianity. It's like, oh, I can't be judgmental, you know, on anyone. No, we cannot ever be judgmental on anyone in relationship to salvation, ever, at all, under any circumstances. But when it comes down to what's right and what's wrong, you know, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. We are going to pass judgment and say it is wrong to go and kill somebody. You know, it's pretty easy to understand, isn't it? Yeah, very easy. Um, and so, you know, if, we, if we're going to avoid all kinds of judgment, we are not going to ever say that anything is ever wrong, and that just becomes ridiculous. True. That'd be a very weird society. It's, it's kind of a funny thing, however. A- 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 Any time you ever mention anything that is wrong, you get accused of being judgmental. It's true, isn't it? Yeah. And, oh, and legalistic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, so legalistic because they said this was wrong or they said that was wrong or they said that something else was wrong. This is so legalistic. Oh, how terrible can this be? You know, and uh, in, in, in that whole uh, context, here's something interesting. Do you know what? I'm going to put this statement out there. Go on. Give me a call, 1-800-324-843 if you disagree with me on this one. Legalism has nothing to do with what you do. Okay. It has nothing to do with what you do. An interesting statement. Let me illustrate it. We would say, because we talked earlier about the person who's trying to measure the length of their skirt off the floor, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say, say that, you know, four inches off the floor is appropriate. Okay. What's that? Uh, 125 millimetres off the floor. Mm-hmm. So 125 millimetres off the floor, and they're going to get the tape measure out, and they're going to measure their uh, skirt. That in and of itself is not legalism. Okay. Legalism has nothing to do with what you do. Legalism is all about why you do what you do. Ooh, okay, okay. All right? Yeah. When you think about this. Mm-hmm. Because a person may choose, you know, this is how I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor God by wearing skirts that are 125 millimeters off the floor. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm going to do that simply because I love God and this is an expression of my love for God. And then it's not legalistic at all. It's just their expression of their love for God. Okay. Okay. Problem is most people that are doing that are people who have um, taken their brains out of gear and tried to come up with a formula. And it's like if I can leave my brain out of gear and just follow a formula, then uh, I don't need to worry about anything. I've ticked all the boxes. I've ticked all the boxes. I've I've colored by mm -hmm. numbers. Colored by numbers into Mm -hmm. heaven. Um, God God gives us a blank canvas and he gives us a 
box of colors and he says, go color your life, but do it to my glory. But this, do it to my honor. This also illustrates how we can't be running around taking specks out of other people's eyes because we don't know what their heart is. We don't know what they're doing oh, for absolutely. glory. We don't know they're coloring by numbers. We don't know. We can't judge the heart. So absolutely, we around taking specks out. Yeah. yeah, people get all upset about all kinds of subjects like, oh, this is legalistic or that is legalistic. No. Actions are not legalistic. Motivation is legalistic. And you can't judge another person's motivation. We can decide whether actions are right or wrong. Anyway, we need to move on with the show. This is a great discussion we're having right here. This is Anna Beden with I Am Convinced. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about the future, not even the power of hell can never separate us from God's love. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And I am convinced that nothing could ever separate us from God's love. Selfish me, 
that nothing could ever separate us from God's love. That's Anna Bleden with I Am Convinced here on Faith FM, convinced of the love of God. What were we talking about? We were talking about hypocrites. legalism and hypocrites yes. and how thankful we are we are not hypocrites. Yeah, aren't we just so... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I think we just walked into a trap. It's a trap, Lyle! <laughs> <laughs> the hypocritical trap. Okay, let's all be aware of it. Let's uh, let's go to Psalms. Uh, not Psalms. Probably let's go to the quiz. Yes, because I have it right now. Yeah. Because yeah. I figured out it was from some dodgy translation. What, trans- Whatever, Trevor. what translation even is that? That's Everyone like a- knows what the answer is apart from you, Lyle Southwell. Um, anyway. Qu- <laughs> I, think that was from the, I think that was from the uh, from the DT. The DT? Mm-hmm. What's the DT? The dodgy translation. Yeah, whatever, Trevor. That's the DT. Whatever, Trevor. Okay, what am I? Uh, things are about to get super easy. Jesus told a parable about well, the, the ten virgins. The DV. Virgin- from the DV. shush. I'm trying to give a clue here and record it at the same time on Instagram. You're not helping. You're not helping with your hypocritical injections. You ready? Jesus told a parable about ten virgins, five wise and five foolish the five foolish didn't have enough oil for these. What is it? What is that thing they didn't have enough oil for? Give us a call. Okay, that will give it away because all good translations have oh, the correct we word here for we that go. one now. Good translations, dodgy translations. Yeah. I didn't know the answer. Where, where, where? <laughs> That's you on the radio. Every you, time- have way, you have way too much fun on this radio Every show, time Mark. you can't come up with an answer, you just blame a translation. That's your, that's your go-to. You're pulling specs out of translation's eyes. Ha! <laughs> Yes, Captain Logo. DV. <laughs> okay, let's well, get back to DV our stands for the Douay version, doesn't it? You've heard the, the Douay version, right? No. Oh, really? Yeah. It was what written about the same time. It was translated about the same time as the uh, King James version, just a little bit before the King James version in the English language. Why is it significant? Um, it was translated by the Jesuits in oh. response to the Tyndale translation. Uh, because they were afraid that the English-speaking world would be reading too much of the uh, of Tyndale's translation, and so they decided to have their own. It's kind of uh, counterintuitive for a church that spent you know a thousand years banning the Bible and then they made their own English translation of it. Interesting Jes- history. Jesuits is some shady, we're sidetracked. Shady we are dudes. way sidetracked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get back to Proverbs chapter nineteen and verse eleven. We're going to look for some important principles. Uh, Proverbs 19, verse 11. Some important principles uh, that can help us to avoid conflict with other people. Very interesting what the uh, the proverb writer has to say. Solomon himself, I can imagine that he had plenty of conflict over his life. Anyone who is a head of state has to deal with these kind of things on a regular occasion. What have you got for us there, Mon? Proverbs 19, verse 11. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Okay, so what's the what's the basic principle that you've got right there? Uh, one of forgiveness and mercy and of self-control. And it's also an important principle of you don't have to fight every battle. Yeah, that's true. You don't have to correct every wrong. Mm-hmm. Choose your battles. Choose them wisely. Choose the ones that need to be fought and the ones that can be won. Yeah. Uh, because as he says there, what, what did they say in the end of that one? A wise person uh, uh, earns respect by overlooking wrongs. By overlooking wrongs. So there are a lot of th- – you do not have to correct 
every wrong yeah. that there is mm-hmm. in the world. And if you go down the path of trying to have to correct every single wrong that there is in the world... You'll find that you'll end up being the most stressed out person ever. And the most wrong person ever. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Okay, so a very important uh, principle there. Uh, let me read another one from Proverbs because Proverbs has some excellent material on this. Um, the start of an argument is like a water leak. This is Proverbs 17 and verse 4. So stop it before real trouble breaks out. Okay, so this is probably not quite the same context because you can get a dripping tap these days that will drip for like a year and a half before it really starts to leak badly. But back in the day, back in Solomon's day, um, and even still, you know, in uh, many contexts today, let's say that you've got a dam of water and it starts to leak. Mm. Does it look particularly worrying when you have a spurt of water coming out of that dam wall uh, that's as big as, say, your finger? No. It doesn't look no, worrying about no, it at all. No. You just go and do the Dutch thing and put your finger in the hole, right? Yeah. <laughs> But why was it so important that the Dutch boy put his finger in the hole in the dike? What would have happened if he had not done so? I mean, eventually all the water's going to run out and there's going to be a crack and then there's going to be a a huge gully gusher. Yes, because there is this thing called erosion. Yep. And erosion is incredibly powerful. If you don't believe how powerful erosion is, just go and check out uh, the Jamison Valley or the Hunter Valley or the Grand Canyon, or King's Canyon where I'm going next month. (laughs) And you will see how just how powerful erosion is. It is one of the most powerful forces on Earth. And so you start off with a small amount of water coming through in a very short space of time. That's going to turn into a massive, massive... um, And sometimes you'll be driving down the road and you'll see one of these dams and the whole dam wall has a big just chunk missing out of the middle of it. Mm. And there's no, and it's, it, it started by a very, very small flow of water. We built a dam um, when I was a kid down in Glen Huon once, and you know, dozed it all up, and we were super excited. We had a new dam, and waited for the first time to rain, and it started to rain, and it rained, you know, buckets and buckets and buckets of rain, and we kept going up to the dam to check it out, and suddenly my dad noticed that the overflow for the dam was too high, which you can't really tell until it fills up with water, and so he's up there. You know, it's the middle of winter, it's Tasmania, it's bucketing with rain, and he's madly digging with a shovel because if the dam water reaches the top of the dam wall before it reaches the overflow, then you lose the whole dam, just like that, in a matter of, you know, half an hour or so. Wow. It'll start off as a little trickle, and then in no time, it will just... <laughs> and it's all gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is this is the illustration that Solomon is giving us here. The start of an argument is like a water leak. Stop it before real trouble breaks out. Yeah, amen. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 14. So, yes. And this, do you know what? Things in the bud. Lyle, this is not just about arguments and conflict. This can also be about harbored sin. Like a little harbored sin can just be like a little trickle, but eventually it'll give way to ruining your entire spiritual um, destiny. Yeah. Okay, so let's go on. Uh, Let's, uh, Mon, why don't you read for us Romans chapter 14, verse 19? Romans chapter 14 and verse 19. Let me get there. Such a good Bible study today, Lyle. Praise God. Okay, Romans 14 verse 19. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. That's a beautiful, beautiful. All right, so what should be our effort when we go to church? 
Oh, to build each other up. What should be our effort when we talk about other people to other people? Build them up. When you know, if we practice this all of the time, I don't think we would ever have trouble in our churches. Nope, not at all. Um, it would solve all of the problems we have. The Bible says in once again in Proverbs chapter nineteen, verse eleven. No, we already read that one. It's just a slightly different um, translation of it. Those with good sense are slow to anger, and it is their glory to overlook an offense. Yeah, I really like the passage in in Philippians chapter two. Uh, verse 4 and 5. There's a great passage over there, particularly verse 5, but verse 4 is a good lead into it. Uh, let me see if I can find this one real quick. Can you imagine if all the times we've been running around trying to take specks out of each other's eyes, instead of taking out specks, if we tried to build each other up, just build a little stepping stone for someone, like, oh, the church would be such a, mo- like a more harmonious and beautiful place to be. Look not every man on his own things. But every man also on the things of others. So don't look after yourself all the time. Look after others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful thought Mm. to finish our Bible study on. Amen. To have the mind of Jesus. When we go to talk about somebody else, what would Jesus say about this person to the person you're talking to? You know, that whole principle. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? Let's put it into practice today. Let's make our world a better and more positive place. This is the, this is uh, Redeemer. Uh, this is Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. I'll get it right there. <laughs>
Are you looking for free, wholesome fun for the kids these school holidays? Maitland Church is having its winter break frog fun day again for six to nine-year-olds. What do you mean frog, Lyle? Is this a fun day for amphibians? No. Frog stands for fully relying on God. And this holiday's theme is dare to be different. Activities include songs, Bible stories, crafts and snacks. This is a one-day-only special event on Wednesday, the 10th of July, starting at 9am. To register your kids, call 0411 The address is 72 Brunswick Street, East Maitland. Kids, you are welcome to bring all your friends, but book now as spaces are limited. That number again, 04 one one triple two seven six zero. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Welcome back. You are listening to the breakfast. Blah, blah, blah. I don't even know what we're listening to anymore. This is the breakfast show that Lila Mon that's what we're listening to. I'm about to hit you with the final clue. Wait, is this the final clue? Hang on, let me have a look. One, done that 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 one. We've done them all, haven't we? We've done them all. <gasps> New quiz. There's no, no, there's no more clues on this. Oh, we're going to come up with. We're going to come up with um, more. Quiz clues. All right, wait for the next section. We'll come up with something new for you. No, we won't. Next, cl- the next section is the outro. We've got no time for new quiz clues. Yeah. Then, okay, I'll give you one. All right, if you got one. Okay, so what am I? In conjunction with the rest of the clues, consider that this starts with an L and has four letters in it. <laughs> 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 Easiest clue ever to make up. <laughs> but now it is time for question of the day. And uh, we certainly have a great question uh, for you this morning. Uh, Lyle, this is a bit of a corker coming from one of our listeners. The question is marriage, divorce, and the unbeliever. What does it mean for the believer? And there's a Bible verse that they put along with the question, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12 to 16. Oh, a controversial subject right here because, of course, traditionally uh, many Christian churches have had a very, very strong stand against divorce. Then in contrast to that, you have many Christian churches today who have a completely liberal uh, view towards divorce and will even support no-fault divorce. The Bible does not support no-fault divorce. Um, if we go over to the passage in question here, uh, let's go over to, where were we? 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's read what it says, uh, beginning in verse 12. But to the rest of you I speak, not the Lord, but myself. Um, if anyone has a, If any brother has a wife that does not believe, and she is pleased to live with him, let him not put her away. The word putting away here is the context of divorce. Let him not divorce her just because she is not a believer. And the woman which has a husband that that does not believe, if he is pleased to live with her, let her not leave him. Don't leave your husband if he is a non just because he is a non-believer. If you're happy to live together, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. I really like this passage here mm. because it points out the spiritual influence that a spiritual spouse can have on uh, on the family. It even talks about you know, the spiritual infants on the children. Um, or else were your children unclean, but now they are holy, it says. But it goes on. But in contrast to that, if the unbelieving spouse departs, let him depart. In other words, if you are a non-Christian and you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are a married person and your spouse says, you know what, this is not what I signed up for, that's actually a a perfectly reasonable thing because that is not what your spouse signed up for. They did not sign up to live with a Christian person. And if they then choose to leave, Paul is saying, look, don't fight it. Give them their freedom. They deserve that. They deserve to receive their freedom. That's that's the only right and proper thing to do. Uh, the controversial com- bit comes in here. It says, "Let them let them depart." A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. The question really revolves around what the word bondage means. Now, bondage is something that the word bondage comes from the word bond or bind. So, bondage is something that has bound you. In a marriage relationship. 
What it is that binds you is the marriage covenant or the marriage promise that you make to each other. God sees that as a sacred covenant, a sacred promise. You are sacredly bound to each other. And to break that, the Bible says, you know, there should be, you know, Matthew chapter 5, except for cases of adultery and fornication, there shouldn't be such a thing as divorce. Here Paul goes on and says, he says, look, if you're married to somebody who's an unbeliever and they leave, you don't fight that, let them go. You are no longer bound. You are no longer bound by that marriage covenant. The implication being that you are now free to move on in your life. And of course, uh, that is the position taken by you know the church that I'm a member of um, and many Christian churches who I guess are somewhere between uh, the extreme of you can never divorce under any circumstances or you can divorce under no circumstances at all, just like, oh, we decided we woke up this morning and decided we didn't agree, we didn't get on with each other. And so there's a balance between the two. Paul um, here is outlining something that I believe is is very balanced and uh, you know does not uh, place anyone on an extreme. If you have a question, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. Follow your heart is what they say I know that if I do I'll be following something I can't know Deceitful and untrue I couldn't love you if I tried I couldn't find a way Unless my heart is led by God I'll only go astray If we want to be one heart, one flesh One instead of two there's gotta be three cords woven, God and me and you. If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes, only then can we say I love you. Well, God is love, He gives to us a priceless gift that's free. He gave Himself, He gave His all unconditionally. I want to love you like he does, Lord Give me eyes to see The only way I can is if You live inside of me If we want to be one heart, one flesh One instead of two There's got to be three cords woven God and me and you If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes Only then can we say I love you well, Love is kind, love never fails It ain't boastful, proud or rude It bears all things, believes all things Rejoices in the truth and Love will never seek her own Love's patient, love endures if we want love like that Is what we'll have to do If we want to be one heart One flesh One instead of two There's got to be three cords woven God and me and you If our hearts burn within us With the fire that consumes Only then can we say I love you
love of God is the only love, only love that's true. The love of God is the only love, only love that's true. The love of God is the only love, only love that's true. The love of God is the only love that's true. It's the love that binds us. It binds us tightly, stronger than the grave. What God has joined together now, let no one separate. This love is forever, yeah, it's for eternity. 'Cause the wellspring of our love is the one who is and was and will be. And if we wanna be one heart, one flesh, one instead of two, there's gotta be three cords woven, God and me and you. If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes, only then can we say I love you. 'Cause the love of God is the only love that's true. And I love you with a love that's true. Welcome back. You are listening to the Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mona. We're at the end of the show. We are, and boy, indeed. oh boy, do I have something good to give away today, Lyle? Something that relates to the quiz yes. that never got answered. <laughs> There's another clue. <laughs> yes, There's another clue right here. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. Call us real quick. So jump on our social media because I'm going to post up a picture of this book, and I'm telling you right now that all over the book are pictures. Of the answer to the quiz was what am I quiz and the answer is depicted on the cover of this book. This book is called The Coming Oil Crisis: How to Receive the Outpouring of the Holy Spirit Before It's Too Late. It's written by Ivor Myers. What do you put oil in? Yeah, it's an excellent question, isn't it, Lyle? It's something that starts with L and has four letters. <laughs> Vessel. Yeah, some sort of a, like a light. Bearing vessel that you can hold in your hand and light a path up with, those kind of things. <laughs> By the way, Ivor Myers is an excellent presenter, one of the best uh, one of the best presenters I've ever heard. Yes, um, incredible. Really, really good material. And, uh, yeah, good writer as well. So, yeah. Def, yeah, deaf call Give us a call now. right now. Give us a call right now. 1-800-324-843 to receive the coming oil crisis. Not so much about mineral oil as it is about the oil of the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Which is something we or definitely need. Oil. You know, going on about what we or said about hypocriting, hip, being hypocrites and having specks and logs in our eyes. This book will really help you with that. If you are struggling with being a nitpicker and... And finding fault with people, you need some Holy Spirit. That's the cure. That's the answer. And this book will tell you all about that. So, yeah, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. Fantastic. And don't forget the uh, Faith and Science Convention that is coming up in, when is it, July? Yeah, a couple of weeks. Yes, a couple of weeks away. Um, Call us for details. 1-800-FAITH-FM. On the upward way, new heights I'm gaining. 
every day I'm still praying as I onward bound Lord, plant my feet on higher ground Lord, lift me up and I shall stand By faith on heaven's table land In a higher plane that I have found Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, but my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and I shall stand by faith on heaven's table and in a higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher To live above the world Though Satan's darts at me are hurled For faith has caught the joyful sound The song of saints on higher ground Lord, lift me up and I shall stand By faith on heaven 